ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome to the show, folks, where you can watch me fix the live stream where Mark's video oh. camera is not in the proper frame. But now it is, so we're good. We can start the show. So much better. That was like right through my damn temple and it, it hurt. It really was. It was right. It was in exactly the wrong spot to be useful. Cheers. Uh, good evening, uh, everybody. We're on. We're, we're, I, I, I don't know what to do. We're we're live on time. What did I forget? Only because I harassed you because we, there was a chance of it happening. Did we forget something important? I. It's recording. See, the little recording lights are all red. Which is a good red. People are people are interacting. People are interacting. The stream. We've is got live. a couple of news stories queued up. Something's wrong. Yeah, has to be. Hey, I don't know. Remember that thing I was telling you was going to happen? The reason I had to get the dogs out of the room. It just happened. That, I heard barking. You, right, it just happened. So good thing I thought ahead and got. This makes for a great podcast, folks. Hi everyone, I'm your host Nate, and in case you haven't figured it out, I'm joined tonight by your good friend Uncle Mark. Say hi, Mark. I, I, I'm their good friend. Oh, and hi, Mark. You're my best friend. <laughs> uh, hi, Johnny. Yeah. All right. So tonight, welcome to the show, folks. Episode 110. Crazy, One, right? 110. We're doing like, what is it? Like 20-something shows per year. So do the math. That means we're at this over four years. Hey, you know, so whenever I'm actually talking close to, to five years now, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, really? No. Oh, that's fine. Um, whenever I talk to somebody who wants to blog or do a podcast or something, I think you've had this discussion as well. You know, lots of people have a, have this idea for, you know, their first one, you know, part one. Yes. And then yeah, I've even seen it where people write this really good technical blog. You know, this is part one and, you know. They, they go over some fundamental basic setup thing, and they're like, on my next blog, I'm going to show you how to do this other really cool thing. Or, yeah, I'll show you how to finish the thing I started here. Yeah. And it's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show as we quiver with Antissa. <laughs> and you never end up with the second part. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. No, my internet didn't freeze. I, I yep. froze intentionally. Yep. Thank yep. you, J-Scar. Patient. So the fact that uh, that you started this little podcast and we're up to one ten, I you deserve a pat on the back, man, because this is uh, you're consistent, right? The Iron uh, Sysadmin we try. delivers. We try. We've only missed a handful of episodes in that five years, and then we had we had a couple where we had like not normal shows intentionally, yeah. right? Where like the the one time we streamed Diablo two, right? Um, yeah, I had but... we've we've had a couple shows where there was no topic and we just talked news and you know there's been some experimentation on uh, on what the show could be kind of like and uh, you know you guys have all been patient with that and that's been great so you know kind of like uh, kind of like when a sitcom does a very you know a clip show you realize that they right. were they they the, the the well was dry that week in the writers room so they resort to a clip show yeah yeah, yeah. although yeah. I mean sometimes those were useful they would do them like right before the end of a season or right at the beginning of a season you know when they pick up from a cliffhanger Did but uh, most of the time I think you're right it's just the writers were like ah, guys what are we gonna do a show on tonight and you know that's when you end up with Iron Sysadmin with no topic. 
didn't the Iron Sis have me do a clip show once? Like we we listened to episode one and yeah. and Mystery Science theatered it on the four year anniversary, which would have been almost a year ago now. Can you believe that? It was it would have been like last November we did that. I'm thinking, and this would be this would be work, by the way. And I don't know I don't know if you could pull it off. Maybe we need to do a best of Iron Sis admin. Oh, Basically geez. a clip show. Let's do a clip show of Iron Sisman, and then that that way we don't have to work one Thursday night. You just no, off, it, you offload that be, all onto me doing all the editing, and then then we no, just... because <laughs> we, it would actually be a lot of work because you'd have, we'd be like, and then there was the time that we had oh, we right. had uh, we had Chris Wright on, you know, and then you oh, know, I see, what you, okay. Or, so you mean we still do the live show? We just yeah, instead we of having stay, a topic, we talk about things that happened we go to we go it. to different clips yeah like the like, first time you realized that i was going to sing disney tunes like like one of those episodes horrified. one of those episodes where blanche and the girls are sitting around the table with a cheesecake and right. talking to ma about and the such photo and such. remember that time yeah okay yes my wife watches a lot of the golden girls and that's yeah your wife yeah, it's okay. ingrained in my head your so. wife. Anyway, um, right, we have a show for tonight. First of all, I want to say thank you for folks that are trying out. We we have this audience participation link that we can use now with Riverside since we switched, and we haven't tried it out yet, and this week we did, right? So we have a couple folks that are leveraging that. Um, let us know what you think of it because we'd like to know if we maybe want to use this more, more regularly uh, with the show and, uh, you know, just for fun participation-y things on show night. And I won't be labor that much more because you folks listening to the recorded version of the show are going to be like, shut up. I don't care. Get to the content. Shut up. <laughs> so we're going to get to the content up. tonight. Um, so as you guys know, Mark and I work for a rather large software company and that rather large software company uh, that, that sells red fedoras. <laughs> um, <laughs> We have a lot of uh, opportunities for our customers or even folks, I guess, from the public in general to participate in beta programs for upcoming software. And um, I don't know how much details we can give. Is that is that public knowledge now, Mark? I don't know. There's a beta uh, coming up. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a public beta of our next operating system. One could argue with CentOS Stream, uh, RHEL 9, which is going to be our next release, CentOS Stream 9 has been worked on in the public eye for months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyone who follows CentOS should probably guess that there's going to be a Rail 9 soon. I mean, come on. Of course there is. You, th you think we think we're we going to stop with 8? Well, we said it at Summit a few years ago. It that was, there would we, be a Rail 9? Well, yeah, I think that's yeah, that's pretty easy to assume. Predictable release cadence every yes. three years. Yes, every releases. three years. It is, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. It's been about two and a half years since Rel 8 came out. Rel 9's coming out in the spring. There you go. <laughs> so uh, at any rate. Uh, open... that's, its plan. that's the plan. That's the plan, right. I, obviously, there's always chances for software release dates to slip. Like yeah. that's that's the caveat I give to anyone I ever say when a release of any, of any software ever is going to be. But the plan is spring. Anyway, uh, all that preamble to say that the open beta for RHEL 9 is going to be soon. And it got me thinking, uh, because I've seen this now from both the customer side and from the vendor side, and um, 
I just thought we'd talk tonight a little bit about, as a customer or even as just Joe Public, uh, should you or why would you participate in public betas for software that you care about or maybe software that you depend on as a business, right? So um, I've had this conversation with a couple customers at this point, and in fact, I've got one that wants to be involved in our, our upcoming beta, and they're a team of folks that are definitely techies, um, as you might expect from any team that might be working with a Red Hat TAM, right? These are people that know what they're doing. They run operating systems. They, uh, they're they responsible for a large organization, a large corporation. And, you know, they want to get their hands on the software, not just out of curiosity, but for lots of other very, like, business-centric reasons, right? So that's kind of what I thought we'd talk about tonight. And we're going to touch on stuff like, if you do participate in a beta, should you... Like, what should you expect, and what do you think the beta program itself, the people who are running the beta, uh, expect from you in return, right? Did I cover that well enough, Mark? You got anything to add? Uh, I added a couple of things to the notes, not necessarily related to sure to enterprise software, commercial enterprise software. Yep. But... From an expectations they're, perspective, they're, they're, and yeah. Well, just so, just some trends I've noticed, both recent and, quite frankly, not so recent. Okay. Because i th- I think uh, I think beta, even the definition of beta, has kind of changed over time. It as has. far as user expectation. It has. So, you know, well, let's let's start there, right? So, in most software. Uh, there's a there's a definite life cycle or cycle a release cycle you want to say maybe uh, whether sure. whether it's million the dollar circle of life. Right. whether it's million dollar As enterprise software, software. Oh, whether it's million dollar enterprise software or you know Joe Schmo's pretty good you know application foo generally it goes from a development phase to a we think this might be ready to release to people phase to a, okay, let's test this out in a, in a controlled way phase and then to a release phase, right? Some people call that, uh, you know, release candidate phase. Some people call it alpha phase. Uh, some people call it alpha then beta, right? Some people skip alpha and go right to beta. The point is that you may hear these terms thrown around, right? So what I've seen generally in many projects is, uh, especially open source projects, what you have is a release candidate that comes up, right? Sure. That's not always alpha or beta software. It is, we think this is probably ready to go. We're going to flag it as a release candidate. And then folks who are interested in this particular project can expect something like release-ready content from this thing, right? Yeah. So so he- here's my take on, on that flow, and I'm going to kind of work backwards. Like, sure. If... Product, if production is what we're saying, you can run reliably. And oh my God, that can be a hell of a an argument, especially yeah, right. on a .0 release. Yep. yep. Um, you know, release candidates are essentially the company saying, we think this is ready to go, but if there's any critical bugs, let's squish them. Mm-hmm. I would say beta. Beta would be software that is feature complete, but there's pro there's like bug there's obvious bugs or or possibly some missing functionality like the all the stuff 
looks like it's in there, but maybe something doesn't quite work properly yet. Right. But, 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 you know, beta to me means we've got, we've got this, uh, we've got it in a situation where we're not going to add any major new functionality. To me, that's alpha. Alpha's like, yeah, it, it runs, but if you press the wrong button, it might explode. Right. And, and there's components that and, are missing. And by the way, here's the buttons you shouldn't press. <laughs> right? Yeah, because we just haven't figured out why those don't work yet. Yeah, right. The intern right. wrote those in the summer, and we just we, we haven't figured out why they're broken. <laughs> we don't AF. have the time to bring in yeah. our ad, or another intern yet, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the way I think about it. You know, Alpha, there's crap that outright isn't you want in there but it's not there yet or right or just the the struts are in there right. like the placeholders in there but beta it's beta should be feature complete right and and it just hasn't gone through the rigorous either your rigorous in-house testing or public testing right and there are some smaller projects that use that term release candidate almost like this is a release right like i've seen yeah. some of them that you know it'll be you know Project X version 14, RC1, RC2, RC3, and then it'll just go through that almost forever. It seems like it, they never get to a point where it's no longer an RC. It's always, you know, it's always got RC something at the end of it. Now, a lot of that depends on what the project is, how big their development staff is. I'm not knocking on those projects because generally these are yeah. things that are just passion projects. And they're like, we think it's ready. We need people to try it out, right? And that might take five years. Right. Yeah. And and that kind of I wanted to have a little discussion towards the end. But in the show notes, I threw an article down there. And this article is from 2001. OK. Which so it talks about places like fresh meat, which is not the line from the it's not the line from the butcher from Diablo. Fresh <laughs> meat. Fresh meat. You probably remember that, right? It was yes. a website. A website. I with, remember uh, fresh meat. Yeah. I actually released a few things on fresh meat. Right. And and the um, the 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 feeling is that especially in open source, sometimes betas, sometimes stuff never gets out of you know air quote beta. Yeah, there's there's software that we use every day that technically never left beta, but for whatever reason, it just the 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 developer never crossed that that arbitrary uh, line in the sand and said, "Yo, this is." Where they wanted to level. say, "Yes, this is ready." Yeah. I mean, I, you can't mention beta without thinking about Gmail. How long did that spend in beta? How long did it have that little beta flag next to the logo? Probably Isn't 10 years. Beta yeah, I guess it did. Yeah. No, I mean, there was like this big deal when they finally took away the beta flag. And from what I remember, what? Google did it quietly and people noticed like, oh, wait, it's not in beta anymore? When did it go out of beta? I don't know. It's been a while now, but it felt like 10 years it was in beta. Because we've been using I we right when I got to Red Hat in 2015 is when we were pivoting to Gmail. Yeah. Was it out of beta at that point? I hope. I I think it was then. Yes. Before before they went and started building, quote unquote, enterprise around it like G Suite. Okay. I think they considered it no longer beta, but I could be wrong. Yeah. You know, okay. I could be wrong about that. But uh, anyway, um, my point is, and I think your point is that the the term beta is a lot looser than it used to be. Like, it used to be, oh, it's beta, you can't run this. 
Now it's like, well, beta might be good enough because the the term beta has become like almost ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 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 as far as beta testing goes, I think there's a couple of schools of thought, and I'm going to go in with my I'm going to put my gamer hat on for a second. All do right. I actually have a gamer hat? Well, I got Elsa, so that's going to have to do. Got a, is that your, um, is that your gamer hat? Okay. This is my Elsa hat. So. I can't nice speak. I can't speak for every for every gamer, but in the online gaming community, especially, um, a beta is often looked at as an opportunity to play the game before anybody else. Yeah, like Absolutely. I think I think a lot of companies got into this habit of using an open beta or even a closed beta, friends and family, whatever, mm -hmm. as to as a thing to build up hype. Yes. And a lot of a lot of players were never actually doing beta testing. They wanted to play the new hotness before everybody else by getting into the beta. Absolutely. So I, I think that attitude is actually completely the opposite of what makes a good beta participant. Yes. And that's that's actually a good sort of transition into a topic we, we did want to touch on today. And that is if you're going to participate in a beta what is expected of you right so let's 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 say this isn't you know joe's pretty good application foo um this is red hat enterprise linux or this is windows 11 or this is some big thing that you have been granted permission to uh to participate in the beta or maybe it is diablo 2 right or a game like i participated in the world of warcraft open beta which again was more like a stress test. It was less of a yeah. bug finding thing. It was more of a stress test. Uh, but what is expected of you? And I don't know if you want to start on this, and then we'll just have a conversation. What do you think? I know, I know you've got ideas. You've got well, I, so feelings. so. You actually brought, you brought up a particular type of beta that, if you just show up, is actually handy, and that's that's a special kind of beta. And again, this is typically for online products called the stress test. Right. And and again, it's it's something that that online games have come to do. Get a whole bunch of people to play it. They're not paying for it, so they can't bitch if it doesn't work. And the idea is to see what the infrastructure can handle, because as we know, working in software professionally, code that works just fine under normal conditions, when it is stressed out, that's often where it'll break. That's where you can really see the weakness. Yep. So, so I think that's, I think when when you can load test beta software properly, I think that's really useful. Find out where where how hard you can push it, what breaks when it's pushed too hard, and be able to, you know, if if the software in question can collect logs and stuff automatically, I guess that's better, because I think most normal computer users have no idea how to write a bug report or how to properly, you know, submit a failure right. report. Right. And as a company that's running an open beta, you're going to have to expect that. You're going to yeah. have to expect Joe user writing in going, uh, the, the thing don't it work. It didn't work. <laughs> the thing didn't work. And, and I lost all my progress and I want it back. Yeah. So Bug reports turn into a complaint fest instead of, uh, <laughs> right. instead of actual productive bug reports. And so, and so as a company, I'd like that feedback. Now, as someone who 
I feel like I'm hogging the conversation, but there's only two of us. So I'll try not to feel too guilty about that. But I'm going <laughs> to tell gonna you say to something. I'm going to say something to someone who has wanted to participate in betas in the past. What sometimes happens is you have every intention. You install the beta on your system, and then you kind of sit back and you say, well, what now? How do I know if this is working? Because not everybody has, not everybody, especially I would think individuals or smaller companies, have a testing suite or, or workloads that they, that they can run on it to, to slam on it and hammer on it. So, so I think sometimes um, as a beta tester, you, you, you sometimes want to look to the company to say, hey, what do you actually want me to do with this? So as companies, I think sometimes we can, if we give customers or beta testers, maybe they're customers, maybe they're not paying money. So maybe right. if we give the maybe beta testers some, guide, some, yeah, cases. some guidance on, you know, hey, here's what we'd like you to try with the software, that might be super helpful. Because I'll be honest, you know, I've, I've, I installed RHEL 9 uh, uh, the, uh, in a Vagrant machine on my laptop because uh -huh. i want i want to i agreed to 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 write a new c groups blog on 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 uh c groups and podman containers under rel 9 yeah I, and and i haven't i haven't done much on that yet but like i'm not entirely sure what i would do as uncle mark to test rel 9 right now i like, agree oh right so well First of all, I, I had a point I wanted to get back to on this. But I'll shut up thing. for a bit. Yeah. But um, to, to comment on that specifically, when excuse me, when I was still I was still a customer when Rel Eight came out, and I got into the Rel Eight public beta through the Red Hat accelerators. I mean, not that I had to go through them, but I got in. I knew about it through the accelerators, and I got in touch with. There was this program where they wanted customers or people to write personal blogs about. Uh, media or not media about features of rel 8 and even though i was still working in the industry at the time uh, i sat down with the rel 8 beta and i'm like what do i test like what do i want to do so i picked podman because it was new and i was interested in containers and i wrote about podman and that blog is still popular to this day if i go to my website i can see that people are still hitting that even though it was like early access stuff podman is still a relatively new thing to some people that are used to docker uh, but I wanted to circle back to when you said about stress test beta, and this this does uh, rope into what a company may expect from people that are participating in their beta program. And that is basically guidelines, right? So um, I'm in a stress test. Just say I'm in a stress test for a popular game or for something, you know, anything that, that might uh, want to benefit from a stress test. Uh, so that gives me like all the rights in the world to just DDoS their service, right? I'm stress testing it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah does much. it or, or doesn't it, right? So if I well, take, if I like I... take down their systems through some malicious act and I claim that I'm just, oh, I'm just stress testing, uh, like, is that still not cool? <laughs> uh, so I think there, I think there's a couple of ways around that, a couple of thoughts on that. If, if it's because you found some flaw with the, let's assume it's a game, right? Right. And you find some flaw with it that that let that puts it in a state where it where it like spams traffic or DDoSs. Yeah. Well, then that's how 
file a report on it, you know, and hopefully they can fix it. If you're attacking their infrastructure with with uh, with your botnet, no, right. that's not that's not a valid part of their stress test. Yeah, the point I was trying to make is there could be guidelines around a beta program. Not not all of them yeah. outline that sort of thing, but there's definitely when you get into a beta program, especially a closed beta program, there's usually some sort of agreement you have to agree to, which might be an NDA. It might be guidelines. It might mm -hmm. be guardrails. Test this. Don't test that. Don't do these things. Please do those things. You know what I mean? And that's a thing oh, that you're sure. going to want to pay attention to if you're getting into it. Now, if it's a public beta, generally those things are waved away because it's public and they want, you know, they they consider this thing ready for anybody to hit, right? So that means if you're press and you're just trying to get a scoop out of it, you can probably do that, right? Um, you still shouldn't be a dick and attack their servers, but right, <laughs> right? this falls under right. the same, and, like being a responsible, uh, person, right? <laughs> right, right. So, but obviously we're talking about either a game or a software as a service in that situation. If it's like most of the stuff, most of the Red Hat stuff is stuff you would download, run on prem or in your own VM. So that wouldn't be applicable in that case too. Right. All right, so I guess we touched on kind of like both topics, like what what can a company expect from you as a beta tester and what should you expect from a company as a beta tester, right? Um, so why can't the company just have their own? Why do I have to help a company test something? Aren't they paying people for that? Shouldn't they have to pay for that as part of the development? That's a really good question, right? So yes, they have internal testers and they, they go through everything they can think of. But you have to remember that in a lot of cases, the folks doing that testing are also the folks who help write the software. And with a big enough company, they may have, um, you know, interns or, or whatever, someone that's not part of the development cycle that goes in and does some testing. But let's be honest, nothing, no, what, what's, what's the old quote? Uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Well, that sort of applies to software, right? No one thinks quite like a million users might, <laughs> because you're always be to think at all. You're always going to find that person who does something completely insane and causes your thing to crash. So, um, this is—I've probably told this story before on the show, but I used to work when I worked at that little web host that I've talked about in the past. We had a small development team, and one of the things that they wrote was a shopping cart application. Now, uh, if you're ever going to be a small development team and you want a high-stress job, write a shopping cart application because there's money involved, there's product involved, and there's customers involved. And I don't know any way to get more stressful except if you're writing software that runs ventilators or something. Uh, but anyway, um, they... Well, you, could, you could have to answer to it like some sort of a government oversight yeah. division like the FDA or something. Right, I guess that's that's valid. But... They were working on rewriting a piece of their shopping cart, um, and they handed me a website that they claimed was done, and they said, you know, have at it. Tell us if you find any problems with it. So, have at you. So, like, I, I did the usual stuff. I bought a fake product. I put in a fake credit card number. They gave me a test credit card number that they said would pass the the test. Uh, they were using authorized.net, if I remember correctly, to validate uh -huh. credit cards. And they have this special number you can put in so that it'll say, like, yup or no or whatever. Um, and then after I did all that and it all worked fine, I went around and I did stuff like I put stuff in my shopping cart. 
and then I noticed that on the, the shopping cart page, like the checkout page, the prices were text fields. So I changed the prices, and it totally accepted that. So then I'm like, hmm, what if I make the prices negative? So I made them all negative, and I submitted it that way. And it, uh, at the end of the day, it said that it was going to pay me $20,000 or something. And I said, hey, guys, I think I found some problems. I found some bugs. And they, and they were like, why did you do that? So you asked me to test it. What made you think of that? I'm like, you gave me a text box. <laughs> what did you think I was going to do, right? So anyway, that's the sort of thing that the developer might not think of because they're like, why would anybody do that? But the person testing it might be like, well, this is a thing that some malicious person might do, and there you go. Uh-oh, I have a visitor. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> She's fishing something out of the box on my door. What are you... uh, some things never what change. You... Yeah, I guess I should have locked the door. Can't wait for 15-year-old Harper. Anyway. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Come on, close the door. I'm All assuming right. that was Harper because of the height. Because <laughs> of the height. Yeah, that was that was the short one. Because it's a li little little grainy on this screen. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, that's why you would probably have an open beta versus paid. Because you generally will have paid quality assurance QA staff, right? But um, they don't catch everything, right? Nope. Sorry, it's time for a drink. All right, uh, let's see. What else did we... Oh, yeah, someone's sharing the old... Uh, a QA engineer walks into a bar joke. He orders zero beers. Yeah. He orders nine, 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 nine beers. He orders a lizard. <laughs> he orders negative one beers. There we go! I'm a QA engineer. <laughs> right. First customer walks in, asks where the bathroom is, and the place bursts into flames. Yep, that's a perfect example right there. So anyway... Exactly. All right, so um, I think we're going to get real for a minute and talk about if you do commit to being in, in a beta program, what should you bring to the table? We, did, we touched on this a little bit, but we didn't really cover it in depth, right? So um, the first thing I'm going to say is if you're, especially if you're in some kind of a closed beta, something you had to apply to be in, something that has limited slots, you want to make sure that you come to the table with time to do the thing that you're supposed to be testing. Like, I don't care if that's a video game, the RHEL beta, uh, you know, Joe's pretty good application X that we keep using as a good example. Um, like, if it's a limited thing and you have to apply, it's not a badge of honor that you got in. It's a privilege that you got in, right? Is it Like, is there a better word for that? I'm just shaking my head because as pretty as that sounds, as a TAM, one of the things that we do, and you know this, is we try and, and we offer betas to our customers and we, we get them into these betas. I can't tell you how many times my customers have been like, yeah, I thought I'd have time, but I don't because life in IT sucks. Yeah. that The, 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 the struggle is real there. It really and is. It really is. And you know what? It's, it happens, right? You commit to a thing. You didn't have the time you thought you had and it happens, right? So I'm, I'm not trying to chastise those folks. What I am uh, trying to say I, is if there's a hundred beta slots and 900 or, and, and 99 of those people say, I didn't have time, you now have one beta tester. 
right? Now, obviously, that's oh, I, that's I like agree. way far end of the spectrum. It's probably more it, like you know thirty percent or something. I don't know. I I would like to actually know what the failure rate is because honestly, um, it uh, yeah, just give it to Christian. Honestly, it um, it's something I've noticed with with my customers. I don't I don't mean to shame them, but more often than not customers of mine who who offered to do it just couldn't pull it off and, and i know them i mean one of my former customers is on this podcast right now in the chat room i i get how stressed how stressful some of their uh, environments are mm-hmm. and some of the pointy-haired bosses that they either work for or worked for right so i i, I generally don't blame the system administrator who had every intention I blame their shitty management for not giving them the time. <laughs> That's valid. How's That's that valid. sound, Andy? Yeah, right. So um, I guess the only point I would make to that is I had a point. What was it now? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, uh, you if you're going to commit to a closed beta, something that you have to apply for and whatnot, uh, and it is in a corporate environment, you may want to run it run it by your pointy-haired boss and say, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to participate in this beta. It's for software we depend on, and these are the reasons why I want to participate in the beta, and this is why I think it's going to benefit us as a company." Cuz right. if it's just if it's just I'm curious and I want to see what the new features are, um, then there's probably a good chance that the first, you know, anything that takes you away from that, you're going to pretty easily say, well, I was only doing it out of curiosity anyway. I'm going to go do this more important thing, right? Whereas if you have management buy-in and they're like, yes, we want to know what's coming in that application, so we want you to dedicate some time to it, you may actually have time to dedicate to it, right? Right, and try and negotiate some time. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test this on uh, Friday afternoons, you know. Sure, sure. There's, there's, there's a famous, uh, what was it, Google? I think it was Google. Their development teams had what did they call it 20 percent time or something where yeah. friday afternoons or maybe it wasn't just friday afternoons but it was you know you get x you get 20 percent of your time work hour time to just work on stuff that you're passionate about right and a lot of neat things came out of google doing that and of course we know what happens to neat things with google they either succeed or they get a lot of buy-in and google says this isn't profitable and they turn it off <laughs> so maybe that's not the best way to release software but it is a good way to get your workers uh sort of passionate about things right it's not a bad thing Uh, maybe you just shouldn't release those things and take them away later (laughs) anyway i got off the beaten track there the point is if you can actually get buy-in from management and they say yes we see the value of you participating in this beta maybe you can then actually participate in the beta uh, John the Nice Guy's crying about Google Wave. I forget what Google Wave was. I remember that it went away and people liked it. Uh, wasn't that a document collaboration system that basically was replaced with the Docs? You could be right. I miss Google Plus. I don't think it, I don't think it had anything to do with uh, with with the ocean. No, it wasn't like uh, something that measured the waves of the ocean. That's totally what that was. No. No, I don't think so. to Google Docs. There you go. Google Wave. Yeah. Oh, God, I remembered. Yeah. You did. Good job. So what's in it for the person participating in the beta? 
obviously if they're given good feedback, the company, the, the, the developers, they can find, they can fix bugs, address issues and stuff. What's in it for the beta participant? So the beta participant, uh, I mean, the, I guess there's, there's two ways to look at it. One is people who consider themselves technologists who are passionate about technology, just love to get their hands on new software and they want to see how it works and they want to see what it does. And it gives them, um, I don't know how to describe it, but there's, there's a feeling associated with being trusted with pre-release code, right? And being trusted with, uh, you feel special, you feel special, right? You're an insider. That could be right. You feel like an insider. I remember way back, uh, like in the mid nineties, when Windows 95 was on its, or no, it was 98, when Windows 98 was ready to be released, I remember wanting so badly to get my hands on the beta of Windows 98, because I was a Windows 95 user at the time. I hadn't found Linux yet, and I was just like chomping at the bit to see what this looked like. I had a little 486. It could barely run Windows 98, but I insisted on getting the beta. I found it on some Ware site, downloaded it, probably infected myself with all kinds of nasty crap. Probably. Uh, Installed well, it on my Windows little 486. 98. I infected myself with Windows 98, uh, and I was just, like, enamored by the gradient on the toolbars, <laughs> or the title bars. Remember, that was, like, the, that was like a big UI change from Windows 95 to 98. Uh, but anyway. I, not, actually, if I remember, 98 was considered to be one of the high watermarks of Windows. Yeah, 98, what was which it? Second was edition followed or whatever? By Millennium. Yeah, Millennium was terrible. Uh, but anyway... My point is, there was a definite feeling of, like, I was just really, it was exciting, exciting to get my hands on this software that nobody else Love. had yet, right? So that's Exciting that, and new. That's one perspective. And the other perspective Loaded is, is kind of just what we talked about. You get your hands on this software Very that maybe your business new. depends on, and Mark yeah. sings in the background while you do it. Um, and you can Love see phone. the features. You can see what you're going to need. What you can see what you're going, what you are going to have to deal with in coming months when this becomes a released thing that you're expected to upgrade to, right? Do you have any other points you were trying to get at with that, Mark? Or did I cover them? I this I isn't rehearsed, by the way, folks. No, <laughs> he's feeding no. me stuff. I'm trying my best. <laughs> But now I got the Love Boat theme playing in my head because it's exciting and new. The Lord, we're expecting you. <laughs> the Love Boat. Used to watch that at my grandmother's at many Friday nights when we'd sleep over. Oh my gosh. Was that like the 80s version of The Bachelor? Uh, it was the... It was. It would have been like the seventies, actually. Oh, okay. And it, it was a drama, not a reality show. I remember it being on the t on TV when I was a kid, but uh, it was probably in reruns, I guess, at that point. So the, it was more like a soap opera. It was a drama. It was a drama. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dukes of Hazard, and then uh, I think, I think Love Boat was on right after Dukes of Hazard, and then Fantasy Island with Khan. Ricardo Montalban. Oh, he's the guy who played Khan in Star Trek? Is that what you're saying? That's correct. I didn't he know played that. this badass uh, Mr. Rourke. Well, that's what Mr. he played. Who, Mr. Rourke, who, with his silvery tongue, defeated the devil not once but twice. The devil. On episodes of Fantasy Island. Yeah. Wow. Old Scratch. Yeah. Satan. You know? Interesting. So, All right. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've <laughs> side sidetracked as usual, 
you had a point, I think, before you started singing about the love boat. I don't know if I had a point. <laughs> we just wanted to know. Yeah. Now, like all things in IT, uh, things change, right? Mm -hmm. And and trends happen. Um, in gaming, there has been this 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 trend, which some people consider a little a little bit cancerous, and some people actually love the concept of early access. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, when you when you have a beta of something, you're not paying money. It's it's generally free. Right. Early access says, hey, I'm developing this game. It is maybe half done, maybe it's 70% done, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to charge money for it. And I might not be charging the same amount that it'll be when it's fully released, but I'm charging you money for the privilege of playing it in early access and it's going to change over time and, and whatever. So you're basically in a pay... By my definition of beta, it doesn't even meet a beta status. You're in a paid alpha because it's not feature complete. Yeah. We actually do that every Monday night. That Valheim is early access, that game we play. That is true. It has about half the content in it that the that the, the studio means to put in it. It's kind of crazy. And we bought that. It, <laughs> and, 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 and here's where things are really crazy. I bought, well, maybe Cyberpunk's a terrible example. Well, no, Cyberpunk was a full release. Yeah, that's actually I, worth talking about, but that's that could be a whole other topic, but continue. I have my gaming dollars, my fun per hour, the, the, the value of my dollar per hour is significantly better for Valheim, which is an early access title, mm -hmm. than for, for than for Cyberpunk 2077, which was a AAA production release. Right. I never even finished Cyberpunk. I finished it and I started a second playthrough and I'm like, why? Yeah. It unlike Skyrim or Witcher 3 or whatever, it really the 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 another playthrough that's just not not uh not worth it and 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 jay scar i i see your comments about 20 24 is it 2047 2077 yeah he he his his game took place in a different year which might explain the different experience maybe no maybe <laughs> i i actually there were a lot of pissy moany babies when it came out yeah. i was not one of them i had very few issues with it i had to reload less than half a dozen times with a bugged mission. Mm -hmm. One of them was that one where you're Keanu Reeves blasting fools from the helicopter, spinning around the roof. I didn't even get that far. And 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 the game for what it was, I had a lot of fun like using that one hack that would set people on fire. <laughs> I mean now, yeah, that... now we know why Mark likes lighters. <laughs> no, you can you can hack into their cyberware and like overheat them. And I had it leveled up so much that I killed hordes of fools without them ever even seeing me. They just lit that, on fire. That's awesome. That I just lit on fire. You, but this, yeah, this that's why up, you need to firewall your SSH port. Right. This brings up a great point, though. Right. So you've got Valheim that we paid a little bit of money for. for twenty a bucks. Game, right. Twenty bucks for an early access, quote unquote, early access game. Um, twenty bucks. Doesn't break the bank, right? It's not a ton of money. You're getting, you're getting a functional but not 
content complete game. So you might say it's feature complete, but not content complete, right? If you want to make that distinction. What I'm going to say is all the all the buttons in the game and all the stuff in the game now work. Right. Right. So you're not you don't end up in like a bugged situation, right? Where the game is is arguably unplayable. Right. If you if you sail to if you sail far enough away from the original islands you start on, you start to enter areas like the Mistlands and the far north and the far south, which are biomes that are not populated. So it's literally just empty. Right. It, it, there, yeah, there, it's essentially the colored terrain and, and some of the atmospheric effects, but there's no monsters. There's the nothing stuff. to harvest. Right. Yeah. But anyway, my, my point is we paid 20 bucks for the game. Right. And yeah. as far as I know, there's not going to be a point where they're going to be like, all right, game's done. Pony up the other half. Right. They have they've have, they've have basically said if you bought into early access, you will you own the game and right. and when it's done you'll have all the content. The right. price might go up for people if you buy it after it's done. Over. Right. Yeah. That's that's my point, right? So we bought into early access for a lower price point. We're enjoying the game, we're giving them feedback, right? We're giving them playability, we're giving them players, we're giving them hype. Right? I mean, we're talking about it on this show, so now people might go out and buy buy Valheim at the lower price because they because we talked about it and it's cool. Um, but then you've got the other end of that spectrum where it's a game company keeps everything under wraps, keeps it all quiet except for the game hype because, of course, they want to sell it on, on launch day. Um, and then they release something at full price, which Cyberpunk was a $70 game, if I remember correctly. Sixty dollars at least. I think I think sixty on on PC. And don't get me wrong, when I bought it, which was a couple weeks after launch, it was very playable, right? But people who bought it on launch day got a steaming pile of crap. In some cases, uh, your experience wasn't that. You you had a playable experience. Some people claim it was basically unplayable. Now again, I wasn't there. I didn't see what they experienced, but that's a big deal, right? Yeah. To pay sixty bucks for a thing. Now. Again, 60 bucks isn't killing most people, but there are people, especially in the sort of gaming society or gaming group of people that like that's a big purchase for them, 60 bucks. That's a lot oh, of money. Dude, when I was when I was in college and right after graduating college, I would buy games at Electronic Boutique or mm -hmm. Babbage's, both places that aren't around anymore. And this was when you had a modem maybe right so a company would have an opportunity to make like if there was a problem asking your users to download a patch over a modem was kind of a big deal and i do remember buying full-priced games that were like hot friggin garbage yeah and you, you had no recourse right now the big difference today is that those games, if they are on release day, a steaming pile of garbage, if they survive release day, can be updated relatively easily. Because most Maybe. games nowadays come with the ability to send patches and updates and whatnot, right? Now, some game developers don't care, and they don't release updates, but others are very, you know, sort of vigilant there. Uh, we gave a perfect example of No Man's Sky last time we recorded, right? No Man's Sky was arguably a difficult, problematic game on launch day. 
but the developers stuck with it and they kept releasing content and now it's a very good game. I mean, you and I spend a ton of time playing that game at this point. <laughs> but that's that's another point on that same spectrum, right? You've got early access, cheaper game, not all the content, but functional. It's almost so, like a long-running beta. Uh, yeah. Then you've got games that come out that maybe did or did not have an open beta, but when they came out, they were just garbage, but full price. And then they, they get a really bad name for it. And then you have games that do that, but then spend the time to fix it, right? So so I'm going to ask a question, and this is to our people who are on chat as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's not worry about games for a moment. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to the article I pointed out from 2001. How many of us can think of something we use very frequently that never even made it out of beta? But maybe it's something in your toolbox that is like, to you, production quality. I don't know if I can name one off the top of my head, but they're definitely out there. I mean, there there's probably tools that you can just get through you know, a DNF install on your Fedora or your even your RHEL box that have questionable release status. Maybe not on RHEL, because a lot of that is vetted, but... Um, I'm thinking specifically in, like, InfoSec, right? Some of those InfoSec tools, they never see release because they're not, they're not for sale products. They're, quote-unquote, yeah. hacking tools, Right. But yeah, Gmail from before is a perfect example. You know, how many people depended on that as their primary mailbox for years when it was still quote-unquote beta, right? Like, it was fully functional, but Google kept hiding behind that beta thing as the, I am you know. fully functional. <laughs> That's a great reference. Anyway... Uh- Okay, so, so JSCAR says ProtonMail is still in beta. There you go. I'm trying, I, I and I came up with this question, and I'm like, you know, I really should have an answer myself. And now I'm desperately thinking, oh, like, what, what did I have in mind when I thought that up? I I just know that I, I know I have fired off commands in Linux, and I something that, that starts with a zero dot something is, is in beta. And I know I've done that and it's been shit that has been important to me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've gone all over the place talking about betas and participating in betas and whatnot. I think we hit all the points on the, the outline that we have here and a few others. (laughs) <laughs> I guess my, my point with my, the point I'm trying to make with my last little thing talking about uh, that is I think in the open source world, especially we're, we're, we're sometimes in a very strange place. Yes. Where the lines blur a lot because of the upstream development model. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the project I was talking about earlier that was always in release candidate phase was uh, there's a window manager called Enlightenment. And a lot of oh, folks oh God, yeah. have toyed with enlightenment, I'm sure. Uh, but that did, that... did that ever hit 1.0? Uh, they changed their their numbering, right? So it used to be like, used to be like 0.13, 0.14, was how they would release stuff. So they never had a 1.0 release. Uh, but they were... The dot releases were essentially releases, right? But they called them right. release candidates. But I don't know if they ever... Like, Enlightenment now is labeled as, like, Enlightenment 17, 
which I think is still 0.17, for example. Enlightenment 18 is .18. So I don't know. Maybe that's just their numbering, but... <laughs> yeah. So I'm just doing an RPM dump now. You're looking for anything that starts in zero? <laughs> I am, because now I'm fascinated with the idea. Yeah. Well, there's various fonts and stuff. Account service starts with a zero. Account service? That sounds important. Yeah, I don't... I Yeah, that does, doesn't it? <laughs> uh appstream appstream oh, yeah appstream is on, on my fedora box appstream dash 0.14.5 but uh, yeah i'm not interesting yeah i'm not sure what's up with that but if the, or if that's just the uh the rpm for the uh enabling the repo sure avahi which is uh that's something yeah that's at 0.8 interesting I think that's some sort of system level shit. It is. I'm trying to remember what that's responsible for. Bolt. It's at the tip of my brain. Yeah, Bolt, which might be because of the Thunderbolt dock. I'm not sure. Is it 0.9? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, if it, like, seriously, if you run a Linux system, just do, like, run an RPM command and sort them or whatever and look for, look for, look for stuff that starts in, in zeros and see what might be important to you. Because if it starts with a zero, let's assume it never officially released, right? Black yeah, the, like the dbus dbus glib is at zero point one 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 zero. Flatpak, yeah. All right, so I think we've covered the topic. Do you have any other points we want to talk about? And folks, if anybody either in chat or anyone listening to this after the fact has any comments on this, feel free to send them our way, either on the social medias or. Yeah, because now I'm getting fascinated. (laughs) Now I'm absolutely fascinated by some of the shit that's like, like the elf tools. Oh my god! I think I've lost Mark. It's elf. Yo, Cal, stop. (laughs) I've lost him. All right, so I think that covers up this particular topic. Uh, We're doing the thing where we're going to split the show in half, folks. I'm also going to ask if anybody, because we've done like three shows now where we cut them in half and release them as two shows. Uh, if anybody hates this or loves it, please let us know. I want to hear. We it. hates the pesky hobbitses. We hates the split show. So anyway, uh, if you want to hear our chat and our news and whatever, you're going to want to look for the B segment of this show. They'll be split in A and B. And for those of you watching live, we're going to go to a break. And yeah, if you if you watch live, there's no difference. There's no difference. If you watch, see, that's it. If you watch live, you can just commit two or three hours of your Thursday night to watching the show, and then you don't have to worry about the split. And with that, we're going to go to a break. You got any final words, Mark? Well, they're not really final, are they? Well, okay, final for this half. Just, again, as someone as someone who fights to get people in betas, I, I just echo the plea that if you're accepted to a closed beta, do your best to participate. Yes, yeah, I think that if is... it's if it's just if it's just about finding out what's going to be in it, nag your Tam or whoever for the release notes and he or she'll get them to you. Right. Right. All right. So the final countdown. Jay Scar said the final countdown, so I didn't really have a choice but to right. respond. We're going to go to break. Ready? Push the button, Frank. 